Welcome into the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down why Nick Saban is truly terrified of where college football is at. Now, in order to help the show out, guys, please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe, as that goes a long way in helping us out. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get into it. Welcome to the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your daily source for all things college football. And now your host, Christian Hunt. All right, guys, welcome into the show. Like I said at the top of the broadcast, today we're going to be breaking down why I think Nick Saban really is terrified about the current landscape in college football. Now, before we go further, let's take just a quick glance back at Nick Saban throughout the years before he got to Alabama, okay? So before Nick Saban got to Alabama, he was with the Miami Dolphins, right? He was the head coach for the Dolphins, and he actually posted a 15-17 and 17 record. Now, he was quoted as saying, there is a great spirit and sense of community when you're in college football, right? That's, of course, what he said uh, when he decided to step down from the Miami Dolphins job and then step over to Alabama. Now, what this translates to me, in my opinion, right? What, I, what do I get out of this and what do I think this translates to uh, for someone like Nick Saban when they, when they talk about this is I think, you know, I, I legitimately think that where we're at with this is he saying, hey, the spirit of college football, the community, all that stuff is I have more power and I have more influence over the players that I have here. And you know what? I can't do that in the professional in the professional leagues, right? I can't sit there and and tell a grown man and expect the grown man to do the certain things that I can with a, a young 18, 19, 20 some odd year old kid, right? And that's okay because there's some coaches who just cannot make it in the professional leagues. And there's some coaches that were good professional coaches that it just didn't translate going to the other league, right? There's two different things. But I'll kind of get into that here in a second. You know, why why I think it's, you know, college football is starting to become a lot different than what, what it has been in the past, right? Part of that is, you know, when Saban was, was playing or coaching for the Dolphins, I should say, he made a 300-pound man cry. I mean, he got in his, you know, he got in him so hard that he was crying, right? He also stepped over an offensive lineman, okay, that had collapsed because they'd been running all day. They were doing two days in the hot Florida sun. He literally, he collapsed in the locker room, Saban saw it, stepped right over him and walked right upstairs, right? And they said, didn't even do anything, right? He also made a secretary for the Dolphins uh, very upset because she complimented him on his haircut one day or something like that. And apparently one of his uh, lackeys or cronies came downstairs a little while later and said, hey, don't talk to coach. You don't ever talk to him. If he talks to you, that's one thing, but you don't talk to him. Moral of the story, guy's an asshole, <laughs> right? And and then look, this is not me bashing on Saban, right? As you'll see towards the end of uh, this segment and, and what we're talking about here, I, there, I don't disagree with everything Saban says, but I do think that everything he says is a benefit for his brand and et cetera, right? Now, let's take a look about this, right? When you hear some of these stories, who does it remind you of, right? For me, it reminds me of one person in particular, right? For me, this reminds me of Urban Meyer, right? I mean, think about it, right? Both of them are arguably the best coaches in college football, right? I think Nick Saban's a little better, to be honest with you, from a stat standpoint, but they're both arguably some of the best coaches that have come out of college football in a long time. But they've got to both be in control over everything. And their times as NFL coaches really weren't that successful. 
and they were marred by scandals and drama and just just weird stuff. I mean, it's just like, God, you know, Urban steps down and now it's like, it's just this weird thing, right? For both of them. So like I had kind of alluded to earlier on at the start of this uh, broadcast, I think college football is changing, right? I think it's changing in a way that's going to give more control to the players. What do I mean by that? Well, I think players, you know, they're getting paid now. Some, some players are even making more than their respective position coaches, right? You can get a guy come in and make, uh, you know, four or five million dollars. Maybe that respective coach is making, you know, maybe that coach is making, I don't know, two, two mil or something like that, right? So that's always a very interesting thing to see. Now, when we look at this, okay, here's what how else college football is a lot different now compared to how it has been. Players are more worried about their brands and increasing their brand worth as time goes forward, right? Guys are coming in and, you know, it's not about uh, we anymore, it's about me. So that's another thing that, you know, a guy like Saban really hates, right? You know, players are also, now they're able to transfer out of programs at a record pace. I mean, guys can, if they don't want to play for your program anymore, they don't feel or buy into the message that, that you're selling, they can just go jump ship and go play anywhere else they want, right? Um, you couple that with guys aren't, again, it's about me, not we. Uh, they're sitting out of bowl games to avoid getting hurt, you know, and lowering their draft stock. So there's all this sort of recipe kind of in place that is, you know, sort of starting to taint college football in a way. And it's given, you know, ultimately what it's doing is it's giving more power to the players, right? You know, I, I have some sort of quotes I want to share with you because Nick Saban's been quoted as saying some stuff, you know, here. And, I, and really the, the most important aspect of all this is what's his thoughts on, you know, what is Nick Saban's thoughts on the NIL, on the transfer portal, on the transfer portal and on conference realignment, right? Let's take a look at it. You know, what kind of made me think about all this stuff, right, with Saban? is I just just listening to some other podcasts and just reading some stuff. And, you know, it seems like he's been popping up a lot more and just commenting on this stuff, right? And he's had this whole off-season beef with Jimbo Fisher where they weren't talking and Jimbo went in on him and now they're like, eh, we're good, whatever have you. But it's just, it's ridiculous, right? He's been quoted, okay, Nick Saban, right? He's been quoted as saying that players should go earn what they get. And then later on, right, they should... You should go earn what you get, right? I agree with that. That that's right. You know what I mean? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna get paid, you need to go out there and you need to produce on the football field, right? Like that's that's the big reality of the situation. Later on in that same offseason where he said that, this is a couple years ago, right? Later on when he said that, he said he was bragging about how his quarterback, Bryce Young, right, that's barely even played and probably had thrown less than 50 passes at this point at the collegiate level, made one million dollars. So you should go earn what you make. Right, you should you should go earn what you get, but on the other token, well, you know, hey, look, our guy made a million dollars; he's barely played. Right? Come on, come on, man. You know, you can't you can't be saying that, right? It's it's just not a good look. You know, for me, that that when you say stuff like that, it seems like it's a recruiting pitch, right? He, you know, he he later went on to explain that it's not right for a program, right, to influence college recruits' decision based off of money. Yeah, he can break up how many championships. Right, we somebody in He said, "You know, it's not right that colleges should be able to dictate and decide, you know, these kids' future based off of offering them some monetary gain for it." Right, but Nick Saban can be as quoted as talking about how many championships they've won, how many uh, first-round draft picks they've had, how much money the average Alabama player makes, you know, you know, in the NFL, like stuff like that. Right, 
you know, throwing out these eye popping stats, our players have made one point something billion dollars, whatever it is, right? You know, as NFL players, well, how's that any different than telling a kid, hey, I'm going to pay you, you know what I mean? I'm going to pay you $10 million a year if you come here, right? Whatever have you. I don't see the, I, to me, I don't see the difference in it, right? Whether you say, I'm going to pay you when you get here this amount, or I'm going to, you're going to get paid when you go to the NFL. To me, it, it makes no difference, right? Either way, you're still telling the kid and you're still putting monetary value on it. I don't think that's right, right? He's been quoted as saying the majority of Alabama's players will not leave and that, that they will be able to scalp good players. Okay, now what that means is that pertains to the transfer portal, right? When we're talking about this, he's talking about the transfer portal. He believes that Alabama as a brand has been built so well that most of their players and most of their, you know, most of the players they have, they're not going to leave. They're, you know, our, our good players are first, second, third, you know, string guys, whatever. They're not going to leave. It's the fourth string guys, right? That we don't even want. That's okay. Hey, they go, they go dip out. We're going to go get somebody that can, that can start over them anyways, right? We'll, we'll continue getting better talent. We'll continue getting guys that are proving themselves, right? You know, he's also reportedly said, right, that this helps the rich get richer, right? And this would constitute Alabama as the rich in this situation, right? Changed his mind, you know, as well, right, this year. And he said, you know, as far as the NIL and all that stuff and, he, and transfer portal, and he said, you know, teams are pretty much buying players, okay? I, here's the thing. I, I take this as a couple different ways. When he, when he comes out and he flip-flops like this, it's really a tactic, right? He's really saying what he's really saying when, you know, teams are buying players is, hey, we can't keep up with Al – or we can't keep up at Alabama with Texas and California uh, boosters, you know, is really what he's saying. Because Texas a and is going out there and they're kicking, you know, they're kicking their ass and recruiting in the transfer portal. Um, both, you know, all the Texas schools, well, the two main ones anyways, right? Texas and Texas A&M are beating us up on the recruiting trail, right? We're losing out on those top tier players, right? So now how I built Bama by recruiting and by discipline and control and, per, and demanding perfection and this, that, the other, we're starting to lose out on that. Those pillars are starting to deteriorate, right? Me is one of the best all-time coaches ever, right? I'm losing control over my players. It's starting to become more like the league that I wasn't successful at, which is the NFL. Now, look, Saban was a great uh, defensive coordinator in the NFL, right, at, at, at a point. I'm not sitting here saying he was, a, you know, a terrible coach. I'm just saying, you know, it's a way, it's two different games that we're looking at. Right now, what what is Saban said about conference realignment? That's the other side of this too. That's the other big, you know, hot potato issue we got to talk about here. Well, right, Saban's has been quoted as saying he thinks that's here to stay, but he is. But I think you know he, he says it, it, he thinks the mega conferences are here to stay, right? And I'll say this, right? I think Saban, right? I think he's right, and I think he's wrong on some of his stuff that he talks about, right? He later went on to talk about competitive balance and such, right? And, you know, one of the things that he talks about with this is, he's, is he says, he talks about competitive balance, you know, scholarships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Academic counts, you know, everything like that, money, right? He talks about TV rights deals, right? And I think that is an important part of this that we have to look at, right? You know, when we're talking about competitive balance, I'm going to use that word again. There's winners and losers, right? There's if you know it's like Ricky Bobby said at best, if you're not first, you're last, right? And if you're not Alabama, you're last every year, unfortunately, right? So it's ironic. You know, the thing is that I actually agree with Saban 
on his understanding that everything is driven by money. Right. And he's he's brought it up. Like I said previously, he's brought up, you know, everything about the TV ratings and everything that kind of happens with that. Right. So Saban understands that, hey, a lot of everything happening right now is based off of TV ratings. He understands. Right. That college football is trying to move past him. It's trying to get him to move on and shuffle the deck a little bit. Right. You know, we're also talking about this. I mean, look. Who, who drives TV ratings? Well, it's us as the fans, right? You know, the fans have spoken and we've said, look, Jack, we don't want to see Nick Saban in Alabama. <laughs> you know, we don't want to see, we really don't want to see the same top five teams, four teams every year make it to the playoff, right? I don't want to go see Notre Dame uh, get boat raced by Alabama. I don't want to go see Oklahoma make it and play uh, Clemson or Ohio State and get absolutely bullied out there, right? That's just not, it's not a good thing, right? Uh, you know, it's not a good thing. I mean, think about this, right? The WWE and the UFC are two of the best companies out there in sports that I think do a really, really good job at marketing and sort of promoting. Now, the WWE is a lot more fake, obviously. They control a lot more of that narrative. It's scripted. But, you know, you know the, the great part about that is they are going to do everything from a TV rating standpoint, right? So WWE is not going to say, "Hey, we're going to have the same champion," you know, over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? They're going to they're going to like figure out his life cycle, right? And about the time everybody's like, "Eh, you know what I mean?" Then they're going to start switching it up. They're going to go a completely different direction. And I think that's one thing that WWE does really well. The UFC understands the value in marketing and building the backstories and sort of, you know, having their guys do all this crazy stuff outside of it, but it's a real thing inside of it, right? So either way they win, right? They, they kind of build both backstories up and they win. Same thing that college football, I think, is, is really trying to do in the sports world as a whole is really trying to do, right? You know, when we're talking about this, again, everything's, everything out there is based out of views and it's based off interest, right? You know, Saban, he, we kind of alluded to this a little bit ago, but he talks a lot. He talks a lot about the balance of college football. You know, he talks about scholarship counts, recruiting budgets, et cetera, right? But the fact is the best coach the sport's ever seen, okay? He sees the writing on the wall. So Saban, Saban sees the writing on the wall. He says, I, I, can't, I can't keep up with this, right? Because think of it this way, right? Bama can't keep up with recruiting, which means that, you know, or the transfer portal. Because, you know, there's, there's so many other states, so many other teams that want to be relative again. They'll outbid Bama, right? They will. They, as simply as that. So Bama's not going to be as dominant going forward. That's, the, that's going to force him, okay? That's going to force him to give up control, which is going to result when he gives up control. That's going to force him to give up. Like I said, it's going to force him to give up control. That's going to, that's going to lead to a less than stellar product on the field, right? And that's not good for Saban because it's going to start tarnishing that legacy, right? Here's what he knows. Okay, Saban knows that three things are about to severely impact him and the Tide's ability to be dominant. Number one, he can't keep up in recruiting, right? They're ranked number 12 right now in the country, as far as recruiting goes. The time this thing posts, they're ranked number 12 in the country. All right. After this year, majority of his roster is going to be gone. I'll give you a great example of this. Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, uh, oh, got Shermaine Burton, right? 
Cameron Latu, the tight end, who was there, you know, he's the player coming back that is leading the team in receptions from last year. You know, their other two guys went off to the NFL. He's the returning leading receiver coming back. Then go look at their defense, right? So you're looking at that. You got some offensive linemen that are going to be gone, right? Then then look at then look at who else you've got on defense, right? That, de- that pretty much that defense is going to everybody on that defense. If they decide to go pro, they're going to get drafted. You got Dallas Turner, you've got Henry Toa Toa at Mike Linebacker, you've got Will Anderson at the other linebacker spot, you've got Jordan Branch, who's a safety, you've got Eli Ricks, who's a cornerback, your other cornerbacks, Kool-Aid McKinstry. They're going to lose so much talent, right? They're going to lose so much talent, and the recruiting class they've got coming in is probably not going to be that great, right? And guess what? They're getting re- Their schedule is going to get a lot harder with conference realignment, right? Their schedule is going to get a lot harder with conference realignment. And the reason why I mention all this, right, is because with Texas and Oklahoma coming in, they're not going to be playing the the Vanderbilts of the world. You know, they're, they're, you're going to start seeing, okay, everybody in that SEC West, you know, you've got Ole Miss, you've got Texas A&M, you know, potentially Texas, uh, Oklahoma, right, over there, depending on how that looks. You're going to have to start stepping up and playing more of these teams, going on these more intense environment on the road, right? Now, granted, hey, I get it. You know, the the, the sort of saying out there is, uh, who cares? You know what I mean? We're the best team. We'll go prove it every year. Well, not if your recruiting's starting to slack. Not if, you know, not if the transfer portal's going down and not if your roster is getting depleted, right? And you can't keep up. It's, it's really difficult to do that. God forbid, right? God forbid anything happens where Clemson, Miami, somebody like that starts joining the SEC, right? Uh, That's going to make it even more difficult (laughs) for them. And they go to this really big super conference, right? Look, here's the reality of the situation, right? I can go on and on and on and on. And I don't want to seem like a Saban hater, right? I I, I respect him. I'm going to give him his his due, right? I think he's the best coach to ever uh, coach college football. I'll, I'll give him that, right? But I think ultimately... This is in summary of all this. I think ultimately, right, Saban's right in a lot of his beliefs, you know, such as players earning money, right? Maybe that diminishes the sport. The majority of what's driving all this is, you know, all this change that we're seeing, NIL, transfer portal, uh, conference realignment, is TV money, right? And free agency, right, that that creates and certain things that have popped up in the free agency-like atmosphere uh, is not a great not a great thing for college football, right? I agree with him on a lot of that stuff, right? But I think Saban's kind of playing the politicking game, right? He's trying to politic it and just, eh, you know, like it's good one day, then the next it's not. Like just come out and say what you want to say, right? If you go back and you look at his true thoughts on this, it's so damn hard to get it. Most coaches aren't going to come out and say, I don't like NIL. I don't like the fact that I'm going to lose control over the guy that's 18, 19 years old who's going to get a million dollars and is going to be driving around in a Lambo, you know what I mean, and probably making terrible decisions and then can literally jump in and out of my program at will. And then I'm my future and my monetary status is tied to that. I think forever. And I've said this, right? I think here's the thing, right? I'm going to say this. I'm going to close this segment out. I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if Saban can keep up with all the change. But again, when we're talking about this, if for every rule that you have for that benefits a player, you got to have an equal and opposite rule that benefits the institution and the conference, right? And and the schools, right? That's to me, that's the fairest way to do it. If you're gonna pay a kid, hey, let the schools pay him. Come right out, let's be transparent. You if you want to pay a kid, let the schools pay him, let them dictate it. Let's figure that out, right? If I'm gonna pay you, you know, I at least want to see some production on the field. If you're going to 
you know, transfer, you get one chance to transfer, right? After that, you have to start missing out on eligibility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? We need to start doing some things like that to make it a little more fair for the sport of college football. Flat Rock Sports presents Cruton Talk. We've got another awesome segment of Cruton Talk for you. Let's go ahead and break it down. All right, guys, coming in at number one on our list, we've got Georgia. Now, they land the number two linebacker in the country in Troy Bowles. Now, if the name Bowles sounds familiar, that's because his father is the current Buccaneers head coach, Todd Bowles. So great that we get a great linebacker there with with good NFL ties, right? Now, that actually is going to help UGA jump all the way up to number six in the class. And so it should be great to see how we go from here. Next up on the list, we have Penn State. Now, Penn State, they actually get the number 13 edge player uh, in the country. They're going to get Tamir Robinson. He's the number 137th player in uh, the class, and he also is going to help jump Penn State up to number three in the current recruiting rankings. All right, guys, last on the list here, we've got Oklahoma. They secure the number 12 linebacker in the country in Lewis Carter. He is the number 177th player overall in the class, and he actually helps jump OU up to number 10. Now, with that being said, let's take a look at some of the other general happenings as we've had some reshuffling inside of uh, the top 12 in recruiting, right? So right now, you know, it's been jumping back and forth, it seems like, all offseason between Notre Dame and Ohio State. Currently, they've got uh, 24-7 sports, by the way, has got Notre Dame ranked number one in recruiting, followed up behind Ohio State at number two. I just mentioned this earlier. Then at number three, we've got Penn State, right? Clemson's holding strong at number four, okay? Clemson's holding strong at number four. Then you've got Texas at number five, right? Georgia is jumping in at number six here, right? At seven, we've got Tennessee, right? They're sliding back a little bit. LSU's at number eight. We've got Miami still holding strong at number nine. Oklahoma sitting up at number 10. We've got Arkansas coming in at number 11. And then Alabama is coming in at number 12. Now, remember, I know we just talked a little bit about this at the top of the broadcast. We were talking about Alabama. You know, it's going to be interesting. Can they make this ground up going forward and jump back and land a top five recruiting class like they always do? Flat Rock Sports presents Hunt's Hot Seat. All right, guys, welcome into this segment of Hunt's Hot Seat, right, where I track all things in college football involving coaches that are on the hot seat, right? On this episode, I've got a specific shout-out here, right? If you couldn't tell, there's a reason why I'm wearing my sweater kind of like an asshole. It's because I am doing my hot seat tracker for Jeff Collins in Georgia Tech. No, I'm just kidding. Look, I might be a Georgia fan, but I do actually feel bad for Georgia Tech and their fan base, right? And I'll tell you why, right? It seems like when Jeff Collins took this program over a few years ago, all right, it seemed like there was a lot of juice and a lot of excitement, right? And he was coming in, he was trying a lot of different things. And and man, when you watch him talk, when you watch a lot of the interactions he's got right now, he just looks dejected, right? I mean, he's a Georgia man, he comes in, with the old hometown team, and he just he can't get it done. You know, it just seems seems like a lot, right? But in his defense, he is trying to convert Georgia Tech from the triple option offense that they were running with Paul Johnson. He's trying to get him into a more current offense that's at least from this century, right? <laughs> so now when we look back at Georgia Tech with you know their program, right? It look in the past here, right? Georgia Tech actually has won four national championships, okay. And 
here's the thing, right? They've actually made it to five ACC championship games, right? Now, Tech's last national championship that they won was back in the 90s, and it's been a while since they've they've made it back to the ACC, right? So it's, it's probably been about a decade or so. Now, when I'm looking at this, what is causing Tech to, to lose out on this stuff, right? What's causing Tech to lose? Well, the thing that's really causing Tech to lose is they're losing out on a lot of the talent in their own backyard, okay? Because you got to think about it. Georgia is one of the one of the, is a hotbed for NFL talent out there, and, and you look at the production that comes at most of the college schools. I mean, it really is four states, and Georgia is one of them, right? Now they're also losing their best players to the transfer portal, right? We've talked a lot about the transfer portal on the podcast. You know all about that, right? They lost uh, running back Jameer Gibbs to Alabama, who now he's going to go be their starting running back. And so you're losing out your best players to like this farm system to the other, you know, the other bigger schools, right? And that's not good, right? Their average recruiting ranking since Jeff Collins has gotten there is they're 46th in the country, okay? Again, you've got to be, to compete and be relevant, you've at least at least got to be inside of like the top 15, top 20, and you got to really manage that talent, right? And that's not necessarily saying, hey, you're going to be breaking records or beating Bama or anything like that. No, 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 no. That's just saying that you're going to literally have an opportunity to contend going forward, right? And that you have a shot with really, really, really solid coaching to outperform expectations. Now let's take it, let's keep, let's keep it moving though, right? He's nine and 25. Jeff Collins is nine and 25 in his time there. Last year he went three and nine. Okay, I mean you, you gotta you gotta think about this, right? I, you know, I'm putting his hot seat rating as a seven, and the reason why I'm putting his hot seat rating right now at a seven is because there is no sense of this thing getting any better anytime soon, right? Think about this: you've got Clemson who's still leading the way and dominating the ACC, right? You've got Miami. They're starting to gain momentum on the recruiting trail, right? They're starting to figure this thing out with Mario Cristobal. Then you've got the rest of the Carolinas on here, right? You've got UNC. You've got Wake Forest, and you've got NC State, right? They're all in. They're all top thirty teams, right? And that's a buzzsaw when you look at it, right? I mean, that the Georgia Tech has to play, so it's not going to get any better, right? It's not looking good now. Tech's probably going to have to part ways with Collins. I don't see there there being any way to keep him and still have the juice and the energy, right? I think maybe a facelift in this would be good. Now, who would I look to go after if I'm Georgia Tech? I'm going to go get probably one of the the hotter names in the coaching carousel that's going to be coming out, right? And that is Oklahoma offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby, all right? He may be just what Tech needs, right, as they look to – they look to do something on offense, and they really want to make that transition, right? Now, Lebby's been responsible for the growth of Dylan Gabriel, who's at Oklahoma. He's going to get him back, right? He coached him at UCF. He's going to coach him at Oklahoma this year. And Matt Corral, who was a quarterback drafted last year, right? Lebby's, I'm telling you, Lebby's really a brilliant young offensive mind. You get him in there, he may be able to have a little bit of swagger, right? Either way, whatever happens, all right, either way, whatever happens with this, Georgia Tech has got, and I mean they have got to start locking down more elite recruits in Georgia. You got to start expanding out and you got to start going to Florida. Florida's right down the road and you got to start recruiting Florida really well too, right? I mean it's just those little things that tech has to do to go from being probably a bottom tier ACC school to to going back to competing and getting back to eight, nine win seasons, right? And at least scaring Georgia 
or something, right? I mean, look, I started thinking about this the other day and I said, you know, honestly, I think Georgia Tech is closer to Georgia Southern as far as, you know, football relevancy than they are closer to Georgia, right? And that's not a good thing if you're a Georgia Tech fan, right? With that being said, that's actually going to conclude this episode of the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your source for daily college football content. As always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we'll catch you next time.